Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening and welcome to your Wednesday. You're listening to Independence Day on Lancer Radio. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, I am very, very happy to have my dear friend and excellent musician, Mr. Tony Piscotti from the city of Chicago, who's flown all the way out here to join us tonight, talk about the music business and play some of the rock and roll or some of the folk and roll or whatever you want to call it. Um, But here's what Tony's about. Uh, Tony Piscotti is an intricate guitarist and inventive songwriter. Not intricate bad as in ponderous or pretentious, but intricate good because his catchy and facile compositions draw you in and make you feel as if those songs have always existed. Not one to just strum a G chord under his lilting melodies. Piscotti isn't afraid to explore alternate tunings on his guitar in order to establish a song as truly original. But Piscotti is also a seeker. From his beginnings in a successful college rock band to his astute and beautiful 2003 solo release Soapbox Parade, and then pushing his own playing into new territory by picking up the electric guitar in earnest and providing harmonic texture and a bit of twang in the Chicago-based band Northern Magnolia. Welcome to Independence Day, Tony. Thank you very much. It's an honor to have you here, man. It's great to be here. It's great, to, uh, it's great to have you in town. It's great to play music with you. It's great to talk to you about music, uh, Mr. Piscotti and I. For those of us out there in our legion of fans, we go back a very, very long way. I yes. think... Uh, the Clinton administration, I think, is <laughs> yeah, probably the, about the, as yeah, far as it goes. The beginning goes. of the Clinton administration. <laughs> I'm, I'm dating myself, but uh, <laughs> it's the truth, man. You know, old yeah. friends, you can't beat old friends. There's no, nothing not like old friends. So what, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of different things tonight. We're going to play a bunch of different songs, um, you know, some of some your classic material, you know, a little bit of your new stuff. We're going to hear stuff you've been working on. Um, but first, I kind of want to get a taste of, you know, when you were growing up, what was the music environment in your house? Like, did your parents listen to the Beatles? Did they listen to the Stones? Did they listen to Paul Anka, you know, Sinatra? <laughs> what was going on in the Piscotti um, house? Actually, I, I didn't grow up in an environment where a lot of my friends talk about the music that their parents listened to, especially my musician friends, or they they grew up around, you know, uh, Stones and Zeppelin and, and Beatles and things like that. And my parents didn't really listen to a lot of it. They didn't hate it by any means. They just weren't as... You know, uh, they just didn't have it in their collection, really. Right. My my father was an, an avid classical listener, and uh, and was studying classical guitar. Oh, I didn't know uh, that when I was growing up. Yeah, um, I, I wish he would pick it back up because he was doing really well, and then he just kind of I don't know, put it away. But uh, so I listened to a lot of classical music growing up, especially classical guitar, Andre Segovia, and um, you know, a couple names are escaping me right now. But a lot of classical guitar, and um, they did listen to some folk music. Um, like Seals and Croft and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, some Simon and Garfunkel. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say what other uh, names got in Peter, Paul, and Mary. No, I wouldn't even be, <laughs> I I got, I got, be more embarrassed about I, I found myself getting roped into, um, I tend to, like, I'm not a big TV watcher, but I tend to, if I'm eating and I'm by myself, mm-hmm. I tend to throw the TV on or pop a movie in real fast just for, like, the 10 minutes it takes me to inhale my food. Right. And I got roped on, on PBS, which I love. I got roped into watching uh, a documentary on Peter, Paul, and Mary. Mm-hmm. And I, I have nothing against Peter, Paul, and Mary. They're influential, and that's great. But like, I, I found myself getting like roped into this. And like, the more I got roped into it, the more I was like, this is really boring, but I can't stop watching. <laughs> <laughs> I I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know too much about Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, but, I mean, what else? Did, I mean, John Denver was in there. Okay. They, they had some John Denver stuff, which, which uh, I listened to a lot 
growing yeah. up. And I, I, I don't know, I guess it's either consciously or subconsciously influenced me in many yeah. ways. Actually, people tell me I sound like John Denver yeah. sometimes. I, I don't know if I would agree with that. But. He, you know, he, he, whether you like him or don't like him, he certainly knew his way around a melody. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. you know, he knew his way around chord progressions mm. and, you know, leaving on a jet plane, Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know, that yeah. he wrote that, they made it famous. Right. And, um, you know, he started out as a writer, mm-hmm. you know, and then became a performer with the Absolutely. glasses and the high on sunshine and, and the, and the, the Colorado thing, you know, right. and it's, it's cool. I think he's from Minnesota originally. I don't know where he's from. And I think his last name is like Dusseldorf or Dutch right. yeah, or some yeah. crazy German name like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I had the same in my house. My mom loved John Denver much to my father's chagrin, I'm sure. Right. Um, but then, so your dad played guitar was, mm-hmm. I mean, did you, was there you know, did they just like put records on the hi-fi, and that's how you listened, or uh, was yeah, there... yeah, we had a record player that you know I I commandeered you know well into my teens. You know, it was my favorite thing to listen to. I was always listening to vinyl. I, I didn't get into CDs until much later after most of my friends were buying them. Yeah, I don't know. I just still enjoyed buying vinyl, even though they were yeah. on the way out. But um, so yeah, they they always they did have a lot of records playing, even okay. though you know they weren't listening to the rock and the roll. But right, you know, but was but they were still playing records, right? And uh, but was regularly. but was there performing of any kind? Like, did you, you know, did your parents encourage you to like go? Hey, you know, you know, little Tony, did you go go be in choir, or you know, because you have an older brother and a younger brother. I know you're, yeah. you know, your younger brother David, right? You know, hey Dave, out there in uh, Chicago land, Chicago. I know he plays, right? Um, but did you know your older brother? Did did Michael play too? Uh, or? N- no, not really. Well, he, Mike and I took piano lessons at the same time. It was the first instrument I took lessons on. Um, like most small children, usually right. piano or violin right. or something. Um, and he stuck with it longer than I did. I think I moved away from piano. He was still playing, and I moved to... I was fiddling around with guitar a little bit, but I was really interested in drums. Okay. I had a cousin who, who played drums. And um, so every time I, we would go visit, and we visited you know, my extended family uh, frequently, so I would always jump behind his drum kit and play that and really wanted to get into that. And, and eventually he did sell that kit to me. <laughs> Um, and he still plays some keep, 30 years Keep it later. in the family. You keep are it Italians, in the after all. That is correct. So um, so it moved on. To, yeah, but my older brother, Mike, didn't really... He, he played piano when we were taking lessons and stuck with it a little bit, and I think maybe into high school, I think it's when he yeah. stopped. Okay. So so fast forward now, like mm-hmm. in high school, you know, you're you're a little older, you're, like, you're starting to be interested in girls, and usually that's about the time when people really start playing guitar because it's like, hey, girls like oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, were, were you in... Because I know you act as well. Were you in plays and musicals? Were you were you the guy like after band or like play or uh, like musical rehearsal sitting around with a guitar with like twenty girls? <laughs> in a, <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't. Or? I wasn't that cool. Yeah. It took me a while to get that cool. But I hung out with a lot of music musician friends in high school, and I was learning guitar. Um, yeah, I, I discovered it was much more portable than than the drums, right. and you can create melodies on it <laughs> and play right. chords and and uh, and you know people did think. Uh, it was cool to be able to bust out your guitar and play. You know, it was always yeah. after like a, a play practice or yeah, yeah. something going on, you know. Um, so, yeah, I got much more into guitar in high school and joined, you know, had a couple of bands. We do Battle of the Bands or talent shows or things yeah. like that. So, yeah. And then college, you know, uh, my experience with you, how I first, I remember my first memory of you mm-hmm. was being at a party at Millican University. Mm-hmm. And I had somehow like gotten to, I was in this theater party because, you know, everything's kind of like compartmentalized. Like right. the party's like the music party and then the this frat party and then, you know, yeah. theaters kind of, had their, theater had their own thing. And I remember it was you and Heather Burris were playing music. Yes. And I just, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I was like, you guys had so much cool 
so much raw talent, so much great yeah. stuff going on. And I just remember kind of filing it away. You know, the band was called Rain Merchants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you, I didn't even know you, really, but I would kind of bump right. in you. This is a very small school. Um, so my first memory was that of you playing. And how did that get started? I mean, I really want to give people a taste of your music, um, what you've been doing. But, like, how did that get started? Like, you showed up at college, you've got your guitar, yes. and, like, how did you fall into that situation? Um, I, Heather Burris, um, I, you know, I remember this vividly. She was probably the very first friend I made in college when I got to Millican University. And it was, it was at one of the very first theater parties I went to, probably the first, if not the second. And um, we just hit it off right away. And, um, you know, the more we talked... And she discovered I played guitar, and um, I knew she had a great voice. I um, can't remember if it was from an audition or what it was. I had heard her sing by that point, and uh, we just talked about sitting down and playing some music together, you know, and it started out just playing some covers, I think, and, um, and we just hit it off right away. And um, she, she was a very quick lyric writer. You know? yeah. I, I would just start strumming little music ideas. I was At the time, I think I was listening to... Um, I can't say it was on my iPod because we didn't have those yet, but uh, what was I listening to a lot? The Sundays, a lot of uh, Manchester-style, um, you know, jangly rock-type bands. Yeah. And um, uh, so I was listening to uh, Edie Brickell and New Bohemians, um, and uh, we had a very uh, a similar taste in music. So, uh-huh. so I would noodle about some of those songs, 10,000 Maniacs and that, you know, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And, and she knew all these songs. So she was singing along and uh, we would harmonize and we just knew we had something right away. So we, yeah. we started penning our own, our, our own tunes and it just took off from there. Which yeah. Was, you know, Cause by the, by the time I met you, you know, you guys had already, you had a pile of songs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was most impressed by. It's like you go, you know, it's, it's easy in college to see people playing, covers of whatever's popular at that time. Right. And so, I mean, you would do some of that, but sure. you guys had a lot of songs, you know, so that's what first, mm-hmm. you know, drew me to you as a, as a human, as a musician. Um, and there were, you know, I, to this day, I mean, I, I hold you in, in the highest esteem and the, the, the stuff that you do, the stuff that you come up with. Thank you. It's just so unique and so heartfelt and so, you know, it's intricate, but not, you know, I, I, I but I wrote in the intro, you know, it's intricate, but not ponderous. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really facile, but not like annoyingly mathematical right you know it's like you've got that sweet spot nailed where this the stuff that tumbles out of you has always impressed me a lot thank you and i want to give our legion of fans a a taste of that what that's all about a few years ago you did uh, your first solo record um called soapbox parade Mm -hmm. and the the track off of that which is this track called genius Mm -hmm. um which is a wonderful wonderful track some great musicians from chicago played on this track um and uh you know you played around chicago for a while Mm -hmm. and you know so this is this is let's let's play this give people listen so they can kind of be a judge for themselves of what this is all about and then i'd like you to talk a little bit about it after the tune so okay um this is uh, mr tony piscotti and his track genius from soapbox parade on independence day
Some other way 
Tony Piscotti on Independence Day, my dear friend, excellent musician, excellent work, man. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a great track, one of my favorite tracks Mine off too. of that record. Mine too. Uh, and what, what's that about, Tony? Well, that one's not very complicated. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, there was a, a breakup I was upset about at the time, and I think that was just sort of my tongue-in-cheek, yeah. you know, flipping the finger type of a... <laughs> but, in, but not in the re- nicest in, possible way. In the way. nicest possible way. I've grown. But, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it was just it was just a song written at the moment, you know, yeah. as I was experiencing that sort of, um, you know... Right. I wouldn't say hostility, but just confusion. Right. Well, you know, that's how we, you know, as writers work these things out. Exactly. You know, we say things in a song that maybe we can't say as eloquently or as much as, as eloquently as we would like to be able to say. Right. Um, you know, I, I've certainly written messages to ex-girlfriends in songs, both <laughs> kind and unkind. Right. You know, guilty. Um, but it's real, you know. Mm-hmm. And if it's not real, it's not good. Right. You know, and that's the whole thing, you know, as an artist, you know, you, as a songwriter, you know, that you... All songs are either girls or cars. And if you're really good like Springsteen, you get them both in the same song. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, so you, you had a batch of songs, mm-hmm. you know, for this thing. Because, you know, you, you played in Rain Merchants throughout college. Mm-hmm. And then did some moving around the country. You were in Portland for a while. Right, I was yeah. in Portland, Oregon, um, the mid-late night. Just uh, maybe a year after graduating from college. And uh, I was there for a little bit, and then I remember coming to visit Los Angeles, some dear friends in Los Angeles, including mm-hmm. Heather Burst. Uh-huh. And um, we started playing, we started strumming, singing some of our old songs, and, and started penning some new ones right away. And yeah. I thought, uh, maybe I'll come to L.A. for a little bit, a little bit and see if we can keep writing and playing. And, and we tried that for, for a bit, but... Um, it just didn't work out. She was very successful she, she was, with was, acting. No, absolutely. Her her schedule just didn't really, you know, she was very busy. Yeah. And, and that's just it. You know, if that becomes your career and that's your bread and butter. Right, right. You know, and if, uh, if you know, maybe it's, it's, it's simple. You may just not have time. Right. You know? No, absolutely. I mean, there was no, uh, you know, animosity about it or anything like yeah. that. I just, it's like, I, and I wasn't, uh, I didn't feel comfortable in Los Angeles at the time. It wasn't really my scene. Right. And since I wasn't playing music, which is what I came to do, right. I just figured I would go back to Chicago for a little bit. And the plan was to make some money and then go back to Portland mm-hmm. because I really loved it there. And, um, you know, here I am 14 years later. <laughs> I never made it back to Portland. <laughs> I visited, but, you know, I just yeah. I stayed in Chicago. But I love Chicago. It's home. Yeah. Yeah, cold and miserable, though, it cold. is a lot of the time. <laughs> it is. It's home for me, too. I, I miss yeah. it all the time, except now... I think my rule of thumb has always been um, November from November first to like May first. That's when I don't want to. Right. That's like the time when I'd rather be somewhere else. Right. Oh, if me I, too. If I could do double duty and live in two cities, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I, I would do that. If I could, right. I'd stay in Chicago, and I can even handle it through New Year's. But after that, after that, it just yeah, oh it just Lord. gets dead, and it gets you know, uh, everything just sort of freezes up. I mean, yeah. I, I really enjoy it through the holidays, and I think you were the one who said uh, like I, w- I would rather, I would rather go visit snow than have snow visit me. Yeah. We, I have a very comfortable relationship with snow right now because yes. that's exactly it. Like right. when I want to go see snow, I can go see snow right. and there it is and it's pretty and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and I noticed like when I've been to Chicago a few times since I moved away in the wintertime and, you know, it's been snowing and I, I can appreciate it for its like tranquil beauty. Right. You know, because now I don't have to drive in it or scrape it right. off my car oh, or yeah. get to work in it <laughs> or get home from work in it or whatever. Right. You know, um, so many horror stories about Chicago weather, but let's let's talk about happy things like yeah, good, like good yes. music. So, so let's let's talk. Let's play a little music. Okay, uh, yeah. You've got some. You know, we we've got a lot of instruments set up here, and just so we have full disclosure. Uh, mm-hmm. When Tony came to town, I volunteered to play with Tony mm-hmm. on the show, which is something I've never done before. 
So um, there will be two musicians playing. One of those will be yours truly. Yes. So, and I've got, I think, for some reason, I've got this thing that I, I like to play lots of different instruments because I get bored. So I have, this is mandolin, what I have right now. So we're going to play this first, or I'm going to play this first on this song. Tell me about what we're going to play, Tony. What uh, is this song? Uh, this song is called Better in My Head. This is also on um, Soapbox Parade, which, um, which you produced. Um, and I'm very, very proud of the work that you, you brought to this album. Thank you. I, I humbly um, thank you. Yes. And this song is just about... This, this song, funny enough, I was sitting down to write a song, and I was having trouble putting lyrics down on a piece of paper. And so what I ended up doing was writing about how hard it was to actually conjure up, you mm-hmm. know, something substantial writing to, about to writing. write about. Yeah, it was pretty much writing about writer's block is basically what, you know, came out of it. So um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this song. I like this song. Cool. And where can people find Soapbox Parade these days? If people these want a days? copy of this, because you have, we have CD copies are still available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you on the, you're on the CD Baby, are you not? I am on the CD Baby, yes. They can go to cdbaby.com slash, I think it's just Piscotti. I think if they type in Tony Piscotti, it'll... Either one, I think. Surely, there's to. no other Tony Piscotti out there uh, doing what we no, do. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you, well, you're, you know, you have vanquished all, all comers <laughs> to to take sole possession I, of the name. I did discover some time back that there is a Tony Piscotti residing in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. Okay. Yes, but I don't believe he is a musician. Okay. As far as I'm concerned. So he's no trouble. He's no threat. I don't think so. Okay. I hope not. But yes, cdbaby.com/slash/piscotti, I believe, is where they can find find the CD. Um, or if they happen to be in the Chicago area. They can come see me personally. I yeah. still, I still okay. have a few copies left. Yeah, and we'll talk about you're playing with another band these days as well, doing kind of like lead guitar work with a yes. band called Northern Magnolia. Northern Magnolia, yes, which started um, uh, last December, December 2010. So okay. we officially launched, but you know, we can get into that. So you're almost one. We are almost one, yes. And, uh, so and you guys have been recording, and you guys have been playing a lot of shows and garnering mm-hmm. a lot of you know critical and you know audience it, praise. It, yeah, so. it's happening pretty quickly, um, at least in the local scene. Yeah. feels like I mean we're you know we're, we're still writing new music so it's good uh-huh. to have new material getting generated and um, and booking a lot of shows yeah. you know we're booked through January now I okay. think so you know we're just it's trying it's, to keep the calendar full it's good to have buzz it is and it uh, is. Or, or a buzz yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let's let's play this tune here we've like I said we've dragged a lot of instruments out um, and I really you know I really want to get to as many of these tunes as we can get to so let's blow through this this okay. is Tony Piscotti better in better in better my in head. my head better in my head okay yes. let's rock it Let's do it. One, two, one, two, four. This piece of paper's blank before me now. It's blank in my thoughts somehow. It's never what I think. Till I crawl inside my head But it keeps me occupied For a while Choking on the stillness in my breath I'll talk it out until it all makes sense Circle around this point till you're tired of my voice. It sounded so much better in my head. Oh, you don't know. 
corner of my mind Loss of words is all I seem to find I'm haunted by the end of this imaginary scene It's all I have to get me through the Tony Piscotti. Again, we're honored to have him here. You are listening to Independence Day on Lancer Radio. My name is Joe Armstrong. I am your host tonight and every Wednesday night here on Lancer Radio. We bring you some of the finest musicians from Los Angeles and beyond, as evidenced by Mr. Piscotti sitting in front of us tonight from the city of Chicago. What is the weather in the city of Chicago right now? Do you know? Um, actually, the, the weather, when I left yesterday, the weather was almost identical to Los Angeles. Okay. Um, Quick to the internet. Yes, quick to the interwebs. Let's see. Chicago. Oh, it's 48 and raining right now. Perfect. So those yes. of you out there in Chicago, we wish you, you know, yes. wish you could share our weather that we are experiencing in Glendale right now, which is 61 and clear. The beautiful high of 79 tomorrow. Yes. I'm, I'm taunting you in case you're not paying attention <laughs> in Chicago. Those of you keeping well, store at home. Yeah. You know, I pay a lot of money to live in this city, so I feel like I've got a little bit of bragging. I, hey, I don't blame you one bit. I mean, uh, I've thought about coming back out this way, too, for, especially for the weather. And uh, this is why I chose this particular time of the year to pay yeah. a visit to sunny January. That's, that's funny. When you live in L.A. Um, and you're from a colder climate, you know, the colder it gets, the more people come to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a lot of friends who come out to visit, you know, between now and May. Right. And, I, and that, the door is always open, you know, sure. all of you out there. Um, everybody, you know, of course, I have a big apartment, plenty of room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, come, come stay, yes. come stay in Chicago. And then my friends, when I before I moved here, were the same way. I had lots of great friends who were like, "Oh, you should, you should come. It's fantastic here." And they mm-hmm. were right. Yes. So uh, enough again, yakking about music, but complaining about weather is one of my hobbies. Um, <laughs> so let's see here. I mean, not the weather here. There's not much to complain about. I don't but know. Um, so that particular song is writing about writing, mm-hmm. and. You know, what is your writing process, like, w- traditionally speaking? Like, what do you use technology to do this when you started out before there was a lot of digital technology? Like, when you sit down with a guitar, like, how does it happen for you? Uh, it, it always happens that the, the guitar parts come to me first. Uh, that's the one thing I've never had. It, it's funny because when it comes to um, just the musical ideas, melodies um, and, and guitar parts, and progressions and things like that, those, those have always come to me pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, lyrics, I always have a problem with. And maybe I overthink it. I probably do. But uh, I, lyrics always take me much longer to write. So I'll, uh, I'll catalog. What I'll normally do is just catalog all these guitar parts and uh-huh. hope to come back to them. And, and I'll just sing some type of uh, um, melody over it. Um, some kind of nonsensical phrase, uh-huh. just so I remember what the melody is that I've been trying to come up with, yeah, and then I can come back to it. And sometimes the gibberish that I'm singing, just to capture the melody, sounds like I'm saying something in particular. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you know, it sounds like I'm saying 
blah blah blah. And it's kind like of Mike. Mike Stipe does that. Like, yeah, I yeah. know that. Like he'll. I've read interviews where he will put um, a lyric together that's almost nonsensical because he mm. likes the way the words sound together. Right, and I think that's a big part of songwriting. It doesn't have to be. I think. I think there's this. Uh, expectation that every song you hear is is uh, autobiographical and, it, mm-hmm. and it's real life and it's happened to people and you know a lot of songwriters obviously write that way but I think it, it's just as valid to write a song and put words together that um, just sort of evoke an image or a feeling and it's you know it's just more about um, creating that emotion through music and yeah you know even even if it didn't really happen sometimes Allegory is the way to go. Just, you know, make something up and, you know, maybe it's something you've always wished happened to you. Yeah. You know, it's artistic license. Yeah. You know, sometimes, I mean, even the people who've had storied problems with drugs and alcoholics, sometimes you think, well, there's, you know, there's obviously truth to what they're saying. Right. But at the same time, you know, it's, there are a few people who could live through all the stuff that Mm -hmm. people, you know, that they write about. You know, Steve Earle's a classic example. Sure. You know, he was, he was a junkie. Yeah. Lived in a seedy hotel, blew through all his money. You know, he got arrested, I think, on a weapons charge, which is what got him locked up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but he's written about these characters. And when he writes about those characters, you pay attention. Right. Because, you know, he's met these archetypes in, mm-hmm. in his in his seedier days. And right. thank God he's pulled himself out of the ditch. I mean, he's been out. He's been clean for years. Yeah. Um, but he does great work that way. So there's, you know, there's a bit of, like, drawing from inspiration of what you experience mm-hmm. and then also taking that artistic license, you know, and yeah, I found, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you do this, but like, if there's something I'm trying to say in a song, I'll put it in someone else's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I have a particular viewpoint, I'll write a third person version of that and give that person a name. Sure. You know, and that's, that's you know, one trick yeah. I, I like to do. Um, so this next song, I want to play another song here pretty soon, if, if you will indulge us. Sure. Um, the song's called Radiator Song. This is oh. also from Soapbox Parade. Yes. Uh, do you have to do like funky tuning things for I this one? I one string. And this is one thing I have to say out there in Radio Land. I mean, Tony has always been, he's been very unafraid to tweak his tuners. And by that, I mean, um, you know, they're standard tuning for a guitar. Right. You know. Uh, but if you start changing those around, it becomes very inspirational. Like, mm-hmm. how, how did you get started with alternate tunings? You're I, so deep into it. I, I think I... Um, who are some of my earlier influences that got me into it? Um, quite honestly, I think it was when I first... The first time I played around with an alternate tuning, I think it was when I was learning a Zeppelin song. It might have been like... Um, Franyar or... Uh-huh. What's the other one? Black Mountain Top? <clears throat> yeah. Those acoustic-y ones? Yeah, yeah. Um, those were some of the earlier ones where I was learning, you know, finger picking and alternate tuning. And I just thought those were fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then after that artist I was, uh, that I was getting into was such as, uh, like Willie Porter, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Brooke, uh, Peter Mulvey. Jonathan Brooke has some of the most cockamamie tunings. She has wonderful tunings. She really does. I, I, in fact, a lot of the songs that I've, I've, a handful of them that I wrote on Soapbox Parade come from tunings that one or two in particular that I got directly from her, mm-hmm. not that we were, you know, close acquaintances, but I've seen her perform many times, yeah. and and she's great about going out to the crowd right. afterwards and yeah, signing CDs and everything. And and uh, I had said um, after meeting her maybe the first or second time that so I'd love the tuning on this song or that song. What is it? She goes, Oh, I'll write it down for you, and she yeah. wrote it down. And the CD I just purchased from her, and um, and then uh, a couple of years later I went to see her again. And Soapbox Parade had been finished at the time, so I brought it with me so I could oh, cool. say, here, you know, here's a copy of my CD. I just want to let you know that some of the songs on here were, were written and recorded with tunings that you gave me oh, a couple cool. years back. And she, you know, she thought that was fantastic. That's and cool. I have no idea if she yeah. listened to it or if it's just a coaster or whatever. Yeah. But 
um, I was really proud to be able to hand that to her. Yeah. You know, I know I have the same thing, you know, and I, I didn't get as deep into the alternate tuning thing as you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of her songs, it was like, it would keep me up at night trying to figure out what tuning they were in. There's yeah. that E-flat one, I know. Right. Um, and right. Genius that we heard earlier, the first track. Uh-huh. That's that's in one of her tunings that she gave me. The, uh, I, I think I have a, I, she wrote it right on the CD jacket mm-hmm. of the CD that I had with me. Like the tuning, it's, to this day I have it. It's like E-flat, whatever, blah, blah, right. blah it is, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, they're very, you know, they're a great way to also come up with other, you know, they're very inspirational, just playing around with those tunings and just strumming around. And then, yeah. you know, their music ideas come to my head that I wouldn't have gotten in, in a standard tuning. Yeah, it's like you, it sets you, it sets you up for happy mistakes or mm-hmm. for, you know, it, it makes it feel like a different instrument. And like, right. by doing yeah. so, you stumble into a new thing. Right. You know, I, I felt... Um, like what if I'm if I'm writing? Sometimes I'll borrow a friend's guitar for a week, mm-hmm. or tr- we'll swap guitars because you know I, I had a friend's um, hummingbird, Gibson hummingbird, for yeah. a while, and it inspired me to write totally different mm-hmm. stuff because you think it's six strings, you know, twenty some frets, whatever, same logistics, but mm-hmm. it's different. Yeah, yeah, the, the tonality is different, just the way it feels when you're playing Everything. it is different. Everything is different. Yeah, you know, I was, I've said there's like there's like ghosts in mm-hmm. every guitar, like mm-hmm. that come from the wood. Or the forest, because these were these were alive. That's the right. cool thing I love about guitar. This instrument mm-hmm. was alive at one point. Yes, you know. I mean, you play a saxophone. I guess the reed might have been, but the rest of it's you know, I'd say just metal. Yeah. Kind of bang on sax players, but it's different. You know, it with is, a guitar it or a piano. It's a and, real thing. Yeah, and it's what I've it's what I've loved about acoustic guitars in particular. Learning about different tone woods that go into building uh-huh. these guitars and and the shapes and and um, you know just discovering what types of tones you can get out of a certain guitar. You know, depending on what kind of wood it's made out of. So, okay. you know, just like guitars that are mostly mahogany and sound warmer and yeah. you know, woodier and things like that. But, um, so yeah. So wood. Wood. What it comes down to. Yeah. And so in this case, this particular song, this is it's, it's this is radiator song. What was the inspiration right. behind this? And people in um, LA, I don't know if we'll really even understand get the yeah. concept. Well, I was living in um, and in a, an older apartment, one with with what they call vintage charm um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, peeling paint and everything like that. Yeah. And, you know, we had radiator heat and, and they make these whistling sounds and they come on. And I, I personally, I find them comforting, actually. Yeah. I really like them. Some people are annoyed by it, but I like it. And uh, as I was just sitting there writing one night, just strumming my guitar, and the, way, the, the radiator started whistling and I just started, for the sake of writing, mm-hmm. I started writing, you know, basically what was happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it was a radiator, had, you know, paint was peeling and... And uh, it had been painted black, but you can see the silver, yeah. the metallic underneath uh-huh. it. And so I was literally writing what was in front of me, and then it just took off from there. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it started out kind of as a writing exercise. And I thought I would go back and go over those lines with something more specific or more, you know, you know, based on an experience or something that I wanted to say. But um, it didn't. You know, I just, I just left it in there. I thought it sounded yeah. cool. Okay. So this is radiator. So what was the, the the image I'm trying to, to I mean for people in LA um, is you know all of us moved to Chicago. A lot of us moved to Chicago. It was the like, nearest big city. In New York, you'd probably get the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we all had kind of low rent apartments because we you know just out of school. And they have you know like you said they have these big old metal cast iron radiators. And mm-hmm. everybody in the building has the same heat. There's no control over the thermostat. There is no thermostat. Right. In the fall, one day, it just comes on. Right. And in the spring, one day, it just stops being on. Right. You know, And it's this big, giant boiler in the basement. Mm-hmm. And all the apartments, you know, and it's, it's good because it's, it's heat. You need it. It's essential it's there. Yeah, but sometimes it's not on when you really need it. Right, <laughs> exactly. I have horror stories about that, too. Yeah. Landlords who hadn't paid the bill. It's a long story, but... 
Um, so, but these, you know, these things are, are very archaic. It's like mm-hmm. a strange way to go about this because it's like it's either full blast, it's like Saturn V rocket engine, or it's cold as ice, you know. So it's <laughs> right. like dealing with this is this. Yeah, there's extremes that you can't yeah. control. And it's inspirational, and this is case end point. So let's, let's play right. a radiator song. Okay. Tony Piscotti on Independence Day. Proud to have him.
Tony Piscotti with Radiator Song from Soapbox Parade. Man, I love that song. I've always loved that I do song. Too. It's one of my favorites. You know, it's a winter song to me, mm-hmm. which in Chicago is a lot of the year. <laughs> Actually, and, I think I wrote that one in the fall. Yeah. But whatever, cold. When the radiator first Chicago. starts coming on. <laughs> and again, fantastic. Soapbox Parade, you know, people can find that. Uh, Tony Piscotti, uh, your website now, actually, no longer TonyPiscotti.com. Because one thing, well, it is and it isn't. I mean, it, you're, it isn't. It's, it's basically that URL is redirecting to uh, yeah. my, um, I think, my MySpace page. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're like a Renaissance man, or you are a Renaissance man. Another thing I've always admired about you is, you know, you are an artist in the sense that, like, you're like a true artist. Because if you're not playing guitar, you're acting in a show. If you're not mm-hmm. acting in a show, you're writing some awesome thing. And if you're not writing, you're taking pictures. And if you're not taking pictures, you know, it, it's like it's like you exist. And I don't want to, like, it sounds hokey to say, like, your life is a work of art. You know, it's, it sounds crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I don't feel like I'm tormented enough to be, but, to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but seriously, no, I know you're saying. You, make, you make art in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all good. You know, it's, it's good stuff. So, but, so TonyPiscotti.com, you know, because you, you do web design. So if right. anybody needs some right. web work. That's my you know, Clark Kent job. It's your Clark Kent job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're not doing much theater these days, though. Not as mu- No, no. Um, I would like to get back into it eventually. I did, I did uh, um, do uh, an independent film a couple years back uh-huh. called One Night. It was produced by, um, I, I co-produced it, but it was direct, written and directed by my friend Sebastian J. Howley. Um, and so I did that, and I, did, I actually did another very short film earlier this year. Um, but other the theater, I haven't done in probably two years, a couple yeah. of years. And I was doing it pretty regularly. And then I just, you know, I've been playing music. That's just taken up all my time. Yeah. I've, I've, always, I've always wanted to play a villain in a movie. <laughs> you know, and I was I always hoped that, like, my music, and I just still hope that my music would get big enough that, like, you'd start, because when you're, you get famous for whatever reason, you start getting offers to do all kinds of random things. You know, Alan Rickman is my idol. You know, I want to yeah, be a yeah. bad guy like Alan Rickman, who's cooler than the, the good yeah. guy. Which I should probably go for those roles because I get stopped on the street by people, literally, who say, yeah. do you know you look like Alan Rickman? Like yeah. a young Alan. I get that all the time, yeah. which is kind of crazy. I mm. don't know if I see the resemblance. But yeah, I can see it a little bit. Yeah, But uh, but he's fantastic. So um, let, let's play more music. Let's give yes, people, what, people what another thing. This is, well, we've got, uh, this is Broken Glass. This is an old song. So this if I remember, is, this is like one of your first songs. This is probably one of my first... Uh, songs that I wrote uh, in college when we were, when Heather Burris and I had started, we, we hadn't been called Ray Merchants yet, I don't think we actually came up with an official name at the time, but it was just the two of us, everybody knew us as Heather and Tony, playing around at parties, um, so this, yeah, this is one of the first ones way back when, Yeah, that, that I uh, brought, All right. brought to the table. And this wound up, this actually wound up, this, a version of this wound up on, on Soapbox, Soapbox Parade. Parade. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved this song, and I wanted to do something with it. And this was the one song that I played with Heather where I actually had the lead, and she sang the harmony behind uh-huh. me. And so I figured since I was doing a solo record of my own material, it was fair game. Cool. And so, and I really love, uh, especially what you brought to this, and you know, the, oh. the mus- musicians we brought into it. Uh, there's some cello in here and fiddle, and it's just... Yeah. yeah, we had a really, really good time making this record. Great yeah. players. Yeah. And the fun thing, if people, um, people buy the actual recorded version of this, the first sound you hear is actual crystal glasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember sitting in my living room. It was one of the right. last things we overdubbed before we went right. to We, we to tuned those glasses yeah. to we sat an there. actual we, G chord or Yeah, something. we tuned them. We had like a root and a third and a fifth, and right. we actually alternated the part, like when it would happen. 
you know, and yeah. we and add a t- guitar tuner out to tune the mm-hmm. amount of water, you know, changing the amount of water changes the pitch to make this really ethereal kind of ghostly, you know, you'd think it would be like a synth or something, but it's actual analog. Yeah. That, the trick with the yeah, wine Yeah, absolutely. Glass. In fact, I, I'm proud to say, not that I have anything against technology, technology whatsoever. I think it's, it's wonderful, but I'm proud to say that on this album, we didn't use a single synthesizer. Yeah. Synthetic sound of any sort, I don't believe. Reels where it's at, man. Reels where it's at. All right, Broken Glass. Let's play this, man. Okay. Ready? Yes, I am. wise man has a cross to bear and with each word he sheds a tear that stains his cheek for a hundred years last night i heard the sound of broken glass that shattered around me i hope without breath as my thoughts disappeared help me try Find the words to sing my peace and find peace of mind. How can there be salvation when I'm falling out of line? I keep myself Unlock the door of every undesired complication that rendered dreamers blind for a thousand years. Watch the man who's selling sinners reconciliation. His words can shatter glass and my thoughts disappear. Help me try. Mind. How can there be salvation when I'm falling out of line? I keep myself. Tony Piscotti on Independence Day with a really, really, I don't call it an old song, but it's a, it's, it's old for, you know, it's older for you. It's an yeah. early song. An early song. And again, you know, to, to write with such facility 
and such um, such beauty so early in your writing career is is honestly, I'm envious of it, but it's it's fantastic. You Thank know, you. I, I fumbled around for the longest time with what I. I'm not sure that I thought they were good, but like it took, I was a late boomer when it comes to writing. I was more interested mm-hmm. in like being the guitar hero for a really long time, right? And then kind of came to writing a little later. Um, and I think I hope I got somewhat good at it. But you know, the, I've, I've always I was always amazed of you with writing that song as early as you wrote it. Like very like you're a freshman in college, right? Yeah, I that? believe so. Yeah, let's not mention years, but yeah, yeah, it was it was early on. Um. But that was, you know, uh, songs weren't coming to me as quickly at the time. You know, yeah. I was very happy to have conjured up that one. And I just kind of left the work to, to Heather. What's it about? <laughs> I've always wondered. I didn't even know. <laughs> well, f- uh, oddly enough, you know, being in Decatur, Illinois, as you remember, you know, there was, there was always some danger to be on the lookout for. Our, our alma mater, our, yes. our, our college, is located in Decatur. And I, I, I believe that I heard some scuffling outside and some gla- literally glass breaking and... Uh, uh, it didn't sound good, and uh, <laughs> I just kind of—I just took that and ran with it. Yeah, I just, and it turned out—I guess that was the metaphor you took from right, that, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Then I, it, I expanded the idea of what the song was about. And just, Ooh, wow, clunky. Yeah, there's always there's always something going on in Decatur. I remember that because the thing, um, the funny thing about Decatur, Illinois, is that um, it's this—it's about eighty thousand people. It's in the middle of the—it's middle of the plains, the cornfields of central Illinois. Mm-hmm. And Millican is a very small school, so we were the minority. Like unlike Champaign or these big classic college towns, where when the college kids show up, it like triples the size of the town. Right. You know, we were nothing uh, compared to the you know the rest of the population. Only think sixteen hundred students at the time, and so we were the minority. And there was always something going down. You know, we called them townies. Right. I don't know if it's derogatory or not, but that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we had honestly run-ins, but just I've all... had a couple run-ins actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like physical harm <laughs> coming to me. <laughs> what was that guy's name at the winery? The Walking Tall, Walkin Desperado. Tall. Yeah. <laughs> there were two. There were a couple that he came up. Desperado and uh, uh, what was the other one? Viva Las Vegas. Oh yeah, Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. Man, these are good times. Yeah. I, hope, I hope you guys are listening out there, man. This is a Millican. Uh, it's like a Millican reunion every yeah. time. We're hoping to see some more folks from Millican later tonight. I hope so. I really uh, do. Anybody out there in Radio Land, if you happen to go to Milken University, you know, call into the station. <laughs> we'll tell you where that, to yeah, go. That campus is much different now than it was when we attended. Yeah, they've, sure. they've, they've grown quite a bit. Yeah. So another tune here. This is it's a song called Hollow. This is like a B-side. This yeah. is a song that we've, we recorded a whole version of it for, for Soapbox Parade, but then it just didn't fit, right? It, it just didn't fit. I, I'm not exactly sure why, but I really love what we did with the song because originally when I wrote it... Um, you know, the tempo and uh, uh, the whole movement of it was was a little bit quicker than what we ended up doing on the album. And I remember uh, that you know and I brought these all these songs to you as my producer, and you came back to me and said, "I have this more Neil Young vision of the song," and you played for me. I can't. Remember, it was a song off Harvest, I believe, as just sort of a model to go by. You yeah. know, just um, and so yeah, I remember the. Uh, you producing this song, and I really loved what you did. And we slowed it down a little bit. And we gave it a little more of a, a swing to it, uh-huh. and uh, and uh, added a broom. I remember uh-huh. there was a sweeping part. I remember. I remember like trying to find the right surface. Yeah. To like make it sound yeah, like I a sweeping too, broom. Yeah. Like I was trying all these different things. Like <laughs> try it on the floor, try it on the wall, yeah. try it on this. You know? Do you remember what we used? I remember. I do. Kind of a board. Or it was a guitar it? case. Oh wow! Well, oh yeah! Yeah. Yeah, it was a right. pl- it was a plastic guitar case that like okay. that sounded the most appropriate. It's funny, you know, when you're yeah. recording, like you, this 
you're creating this oral AU oral universe, and sure. what what you think it is isn't always what it is. Right. You know, it's like Foley work. Right. You know, when they take like the dried the fire is like the it's like dried grass, they right? Crackle it, and it sounds like fire. Yeah. You know. So, but this is this is a beautiful song. Again, um, one thing. Again, I've always and this is like the we love Tony. You know, admiration <laughs> society here. But one thing I've loved about this is, you know, a lot of guys just males they're more aggressive than mm-hmm. our female counterparts and they write more aggressive music mm-hmm. but I've always liked it when guys have the cojones to write pretty music people like Sufjan Stevens yeah. uh, oh, you know yeah. Sam Beam from Iron and Wine like you know they're not a fat guys really they're you know they're masculine guys mm-hmm. but they they're not afraid to write beautiful music and mm-hmm. i think that's a that's a really really cool thing and you you share that with these guys so thank you um thank you. and this this has not made it out onto you know didn't make it on the soapbox parade um because it didn't kind of fit in with the sequencing mm-hmm. but i think you know hopefully someday maybe hopefully you should, you should put it on the site you know for a download or a special absolutely download or I, I think if i remember correctly i don't think i actually did the final vocals recorded the final uh-huh. vocals for this uh, you know but um, there's still time. There's there is still time. I would love to release this somehow. Cool. All right. So this is a track called Hollow, which is kind of a B-side from Soapbox Parade by Tony Piscotti on Independence Day. So lay it on us, Tony. It's slow running down the mountain. Will this mark the end of my existence? All these signposts in a strange land. Hollow, empty.
Very, very nice, Tony. Thank you. Tony Piscotti with Hollow. I was so sad to leave that off the record because I really loved what we did with it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's a funny thing, you know, with uh, sequencing is important. And, you know, having a set of songs that hang together is important. And at the time, you know, I remember the rest of the stuff that we were getting, the the, the songs, the arrangements, the types of playing we were getting out of our players, um, it was kind of like folky poppy more. Mm -hmm. And that song is definitely twangier. Um, there was a dobro on the recorded version. There's right. a, mm-hmm. uh, and a mandolin. mandolin and Michael Babinchek's $48,000 Telecaster. <laughs> this That's is right, actually yeah. true. All original. Our friend Mike uh, had this awesome guitar mm-hmm. and had the money to afford this guitar. And he bought it. I think he bought it for a lot less than that. But then he sold yes. it for almost 50. Put it on consignment at Groon's and National. Groon Guitars. Mm-hmm. Sold it for $50,000. Yep. Think on that for a second. I'm just going to think on that for yeah. a second. Moment of silence. Oh man, as I missed that guitar, it had the most raucous bridge cool. pickup. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, but now I want to talk a little bit about a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You did something. You went up to this place. How did this glass house? Oh, it's yes, up in Wisconsin. Yes. How did you hear about this? And um, and you kind of went up there to do like a writing sabbatical almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I wanted to get back into. Uh, you know, I was playing with other bands, and um, I wanted to get back into writing my own solo stuff, so I decided to go, you know, take myself out of my element, you know, uh, Chicago, get away from what I'm so familiar with, because I think that was making it hard for me to, yeah. you know, become inspired. So I, I decided to just go away to a cabin somewhere, and uh, I remember some years back a coworker of mine telling me about these cabins in uh, Richland Center, Wisconsin, I believe, um, maybe an hour west of Madison, and. Uh, Anyway, so I looked them up, and I called them up, and I looked on their website, and I said, what do you have available? And they really have, like, three cabins total. And it's yeah. like this big one that families can go and stay in, and then it's sort of a medium-sized one um, with all the amenities from home, which wasn't for me. I wanted to rough it a little bit. And then they had just built the owner. One of the owners had just built this small glass – called the glass house. Yeah, and it's got glass walls, right? Yeah, glass walls and a small, I don't know, 25-square-foot structure – Maybe a little bigger, I mean, but it was pretty small. Yeah. And there was this bridge up. If you go out the back door of this thing, there's a bridge going over a ravine that goes to a bathhouse, and that's where you you know use the bathroom, the shower, and there's a sink and a fridge and all that. Um, but in the the main structure itself, it was just a big square room with a bed uh-huh. and a desk. That's and it was some, exactly what I wanted. It was but, included. Yeah. Well, we'll play a little bit of this because this is you know that seems like a dream come true to have a place beautiful like that oh yeah it was just fantastic i was there for maybe five days five nights or uh, five days four nights something like that and um i would basically just the weather was great most summertime yeah yeah um uh and you know so i would open up the windows and the doors and birds were chirping while i was Uh playing and i had this little recorder with me digital recorder and i would just always keep that running Uh and uh and so i recorded a song it was one of the last days i was there and I recorded a song um, that I just titled, I just called it Tin Roof Glass House. It had yeah. a tin roof on the structure. Yeah, let's, and let's hear a little bit of that. And we'll, what we'll do is we'll play a little bit of it, and then we'll kind of talk some sure. about, over yeah. it, too. So just let's go ahead and play this. This is the song. This is Tony Piscotti with this. almost like a demo, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, let's, let's listen. This, you know, this is very indicative of mm-hmm. like what you do. Like what I came from. And, he's like, yeah. 
like this beautiful part here. Let's listen. Wait. And there's the birds. Yeah, and you can hear the birds a lot more at the end too. They're just going crazy. But yeah, I wanted to get back to. I've always loved. Uh, this is an alternate tuning, and uh, I, you know, I wanted to get back to what I used to do with these tunings, and you know, um, having this sort of this theme or this uh, motif going, and then playing a melody over it. So uh -huh. it was kind of getting back to a certain finger style, hybrid picking style that I really love to do, so that I have both the, the rhythm and the, the melody going at the same time. Right. Um, and uh, this was sort of a nod to sort of Nick Drake-ish, yeah. you know, or Mark Kozilek, you know, yeah. Red House Painters, yeah. uh, Mark Kozilek. Uh, so it's a nod in their direction. Yeah. And, um, and this so, is yeah. this is like your stock and trade. Like, yeah. you know, this is the thing. Like, I'm, I remember, you know, when we first met, I was primarily an electric guitar player. Right. You know, and I had a nylon string that I could poke around on. Mm -hmm. But I, I hadn't learned Travis picking yet. I hadn't learned right-hand finger-style stuff yet, right. and I, which I eventually did. But, you know, so back then, I mostly played electric guitar. Mm -hmm. And you, like, so we complemented each other very well in the band yes. that we played in because you did. You came up with these incredibly inventive little acoustic-y things. And then I always felt guilty because I came over it with this like this huge tube amp and power chords <laughs> blasting over your beautiful music. Uh, yeah, but that had a huge influence on me later on, though. Yeah. I mean, you really, you know, that stuck with me, and you know, you've always, you've been my tone advisor ever since. Yeah, I feel like we've we've almost not we've 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 kind of say invaded each other's territory, but we've <laughs> we've kind of spilled into each other's territory, yes. you know, in flexibility because you know later. You know, I got really, you know, I bought my Martin after college acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and got really, I finally learned how, I mean, I remember like thinking, I was like, I don't know, in my late 20s or 30, whatever, and I'm learning how to do this alternate thumb picking thing. Right. And I remember like, I was a very, fairly accomplished musician by this point, but I'm starting something new. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I remember just starting at the most rudimentary, like, you know, six string, four string, ding, 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 octaves on the, you know, or the third string of the G. And then just plaque, because then trying to like slip in one note, but digging, you know, on top of that. And right. I remember just like feeling like I had mittens on. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. You know, I'd set up a, you know, set up a metronome, and eventually, you know, I got it. Yeah. But you know, and I was, you know, I, I was, I was inspired. Always been inspired by the things that you do in terms of, of finger style. Um, so let's uh, let's play some more music. You know, I want to get these. Red, we've got a couple more tunes worked up here. Sure. You know, we've we've touched upon the glass house and what a beautiful. The, the funny image I had as you were talking about it was I'm imagining they have huge mosquitoes in Wisconsin. I can imagine like being in a glass house, like they could see you, but they couldn't get to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not have a problem with mosquitoes while I was there, yeah. actually, yeah. Uh, which was good. But I do like the imagery. And I think, you know, the other thing I was thinking of is it's almost like Bon Iver in the summer. Right. You went up to Wisconsin in this like remote location. Yes, that was definitely part of my reason. But then this is way before, what's that guy's name? Justin something? Justin. Um, Justin we can look uh, it up. It's not important, but the It'll come to me. yeah, the the guy, the Bon Iver guy, Vernon, Justin, Justin Vernon, Justin Vernon, bon, or <laughs> Justin Iver. <laughs> we'll call him that. You know, he did this thing, you know, and took it to the bank, and you know, right. and now people love it, and it's good. I like Bon Iver, mm -hmm. um, but like what you did was like it's probably more up my alley. It was the summer version of that, exactly. So instead of being like stark and empty, you've got the birds, right? And the outside has been invited. Well, in. I didn't want to have to deal. I, I deal with the snow and the cold enough in Chicago. I didn't yeah. want to, you know, put myself in an even. You know, colder, yeah, more, yeah. more fragile. I'm not allowed to go vulnerable north. Vulnerable situation. Yeah. I, my, my my joke at the time: I was never allowed to go north of Evanston from Halloween until May Day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Madison, if it's really important. Right. But anyway, so let's let's play another tune. This this other tune. This was a really really fun song to record. I remember working on this. 
uh, when we did this. This is a song called Chronological Disorder. Tell me about oh, this. Oh, okay. Um, this is another one. This is another one that sort of uh, grew out of a writing exercise, and I was... Uh, I, I remember going through, I think it was packing up my bedroom. I don't know if I was getting ready to, uh, a little hazy on the time frame. But I do remember going through, might have been cleaning out a closet, going through a, um, a shoebox I had. I had a bunch of different boxes with, um, you know, letters, old letters, love letters, things yeah. like that, and, and photos, and just all all kinds of keepsakes. And, uh, and uh, they were all... They were all out of order. I don't. I don't know how many people actually keep all that stuff in literally in chronological <laughs> order. But uh, you know, so the term chronological disorder came to mind, and I just put it in this, um, you know, this phrase. Um, you know, especially some of these photos that looked like I was having so much fun. Some of the people yeah. I was, you know, and so it was just a time remembered sort of thing. And yeah, and so uh, uh, other verses that grew out of grew out of that and came into the song were just. Um, Little signs, you know, yeah. just, you know, it's just kind of that distinction between the symbol and the sign and, you know, these things I have that sort of remind me, you know, um, or sort of guide me along. Right. Um, so life is, life is funny like that. Life is very funny like that. Just the, just the little things that shape you, you know, yeah. make you who you are. The funny, the funny memory I have about this is when we, I remember uh, driving over to Michigan where we did the studio at Brian Bevito's studio, which mm -hmm. at one point was full range, I think is what it was called. Right. And I remember um, we were right downtown Chicago, and you were concerned because you didn't have a third verse for this. Right. And do you remember what yeah. we did? Uh, I remember what we did. I know. I'm having a hard time. We were both fans of John Kennedy Tool's um, Confederacy, Confederacy of Dunces. Yeah. So the last, you know, the last verse in this is, uh, is it the last Oh, one? no, no. You're, you're referring to oh, Magnetic that North. Well, that's a different song entirely, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's the song. We'll come to that in a little <laughs> bit. But Chronological yeah. Disorder is different because this is... Um, this is the first song I ever recorded drums on, you know, because I'm, I'm yeah. not much of a drummer, uh, as hopefully you will not see, as, as I do this properly here in a few minutes. Yeah, but what you brought um, to it was exactly what yeah, you needed. It, it yeah, exactly. perfectly. Yeah, I, I, I picked myself for a very specific reason, because it would sound <laughs> raw. Right. You know, and that's how, I, how we wanted the song to sound, mm -hmm. and I, I was very, very happy with that. So you forgive my non sequitur with the other lyric and the other tune. We'll come back to that after this. So this is uh, Chronological Disorder, also found on Soapbox Parade, Tony Piscotti. Uh, one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite singers, one of my favorite guitar players. I'm very proud to have him on Independence Day tonight. I hope everybody out there in Radio Land is enjoying this. And we're going a little bit long. We've got a couple more songs to play. And then uh, we'll let you guys get back to the World Series. Okay, Tony, right. so lay it on us, man. All right, here we go. This little shoebox is a chronological disorder You were the back end of everything that I could sneak up on This little shoebox is a chronological disorder You were the back end of everything that I could sneak up on This old cigar box is a mildly amusing treasure I'm sworn to secrecy 
Man, I love playing drums. It's so much fun. <laughs> you know, I, I've always, you know, I, I learned to play like every instrument in the band. I think primarily so I could boss people around. <laughs> I felt like as a songwriter and arranger, I mean, in all seriousness, as a songwriter and an arranger, I felt like I, I really didn't have a leg to stand on mm-hmm. if I wanted the drummer or bass player or keyboard player to like kind of do a particular part if right. I had no idea how to speak their language in terms of their instrument. Right. So I remember, I mean, in high school, I dragged out my drummer's drum set. He's, I asked him if I could play it when I had, like, study hall. I was like, oh, yeah, go play. So I dragged his drum set out, and I remember the very first song I played on drums was um, You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. Because, <laughs> you know, that's about the drummer speed that I could handle when I was right. learning how to play. It's simple, you know, and simple good. Oh, yeah. But simple. Um, you know, and, then, and since then, you know, I just I learned other stuff, too. And I get bored. You know, I've loved, you know, if, if I had my life the perfect way, I would play in about six bands. Monday night I would play drums in someone else's band. Right. Tuesday night I would play bass in someone else's band. Wednesday night I would play like organ and piano and a chord in someone else's band. Thursday night I would play guitar in someone else's band. And then Friday night maybe I'd play in my own band and do my thing. Right. You know. So and you've played different instruments. You played bass for my band for a while. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I hacked it for a bit. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I started to get you know, better. I, you know, at bass is it's funny because you don't realize how much of a different animal bass is. You yeah. know, I think some people figure well. You know, four string. You can play six strings. I'm sure four can't be that hard. Yeah, but it, it has but it's frets. An, right, it has frets, but it's a rhythm instrument. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's the not blue. a blue. Right. So, um, 
It took me a little time, then I started getting comfortable with it. I enjoy playing bass sometimes, but I wouldn't do it full time. Yeah, again. I, I well, like I said, I would do it full time, part time. That means like yeah, playing yeah. someone else's band, but not not. If I I'm on the payroll, I'll do it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to just be the bass player. I mean, not that not the bass players are just anything. Because honestly, I think it's a, it's essential. Oh, absolutely, it's yeah. essential part. It's yeah. the glue that holds the rest of the band together. I mean, mm-hmm. to this day, I I actually like the White Stripes quite a bit, mm-hmm. but I still kind of get this hinky feeling like it's not. It's not hanging together. There's right. nobody, you know, and you can, I know that you can go and download, like people have taken White Stripes albums and overdubbed bass <laughs> and you can go and then download those tracks. I'd be, I've actually never done that. I, can't I haven't be, either. No, I haven't I'd be curious them. to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. You know, maybe that would be a fun project. Like if you were a big producer like T-Bone or Rick Rubin, like mm-hmm. bring in Flea, bring in Sting, bring in <laughs> you know, other famous bass players right. and have them play to the White Stripes and then make that an album. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe they just forgot. Yeah. Oh, it's not that I thought the bass wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a glory instrument by any means. It's just, you know, once you realize just how much goes into playing bass. Yeah. Well, it's not a glory instrument, I can guarantee. <laughs> I mean, well, unless you're Sting or Jocko. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's totally different. So, all right. Well, let's see here. Um, let's, you want to talk about this band you're in now. You're doing this thing. Yeah, we'd love um, to talk about it. Uh, it's it's called Northern Magnolia. Yes. And you guys are based in Chicago, but mm-hmm. you've been playing around. You've been you know went up north to play. You've been going downstate to play. You know that's the right thing. Getting out. Tell tell me about how this whole project gets started. Uh, okay. Um, about uh, almost a year ago is probably December earlier December. Um, a band that my brother Dave and I were both in. Um, he the drummer, myself guitar player. It was just it had come to an end at that point. We just stopped playing, and you know I, we just. I don't know, just weren't playing anymore. <laughs> right. And uh, we wanted to get into something new. We were really itching to get into something new, but I was actually planning on, you know, as it was getting colder, I was planning on leaving Chicago altogether. My plan was actually to leave, go to, uh, well, come to Los Angeles, actually. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, Dave put out an ad, a drummer seeking band, and um, a, one of the first hits he got back was from this girl, Rory Miller, who had just moved back to Chicago from, she was living in Florida for a couple of years, and she had all her material all ready to go, and she used to have a band. Um, she had some recordings, and uh, it sounded great. You know, we looked her up online to see what we could find, to, you know, to hear some of her stuff, and we really liked it a lot. Very impressed, so um, I wasn't looking to join the band permanently at the time. I just figured, hey, if she needs a guitar player, I would love to just hang out with, you know, if you're going to try out for her, uh, I'll come and jam with you. And so that's basically what I did, and because uh, I wanted to play, and we still had a rehearsal space that we were paying for. So, uh, and she brought a bass player with her, so we didn't even have to go and seek other people. It's uh-huh. just, it all it, this connection. We felt this connection immediately in the first rehearsal, and um, and it just I kind of went, oh man, <laughs> yeah, because I was planning on moving. I was, you know, uh-huh. and then I thought, oh, I really like this. This this could be good, yeah, and this could really be something for me to. Uh, to work out those uh, electric guitar muscles, yeah, you know, because I've, I, I played electric guitar in other bands before, but I still had a long ways to go, and I, yeah. I knew where I wanted to get, and I love, I love Telecaster style playing, yeah. and um, I, you know, so this country rock outfit really appealed <laughs> to me. Outfit. I love that phrase. <laughs> it, it really appealed to me, and so. Um, I thought I would stick with it and see what I can come, what kind of parts I can write for this yeah. type of band, you know. And you know, we'll give let's let's play a track from that, and then we'll talk a little bit about more of that. And then we've got one more live song to play before we uh, boot you on out of here and into the pub. Right. Uh, so this is a track. Tell me what this is, because you basically you guys don't have a release yet. You know, you guys no, are we're you guys are on, on. We're in the studio. We're working on a release right now. Uh, I think we have about I think we have about six songs in the can, uh-huh. as they say. Uh, we still need to do final mixing. There are, there are a handful of others that we definitely want to get recorded that uh-huh. will fit cohesively all together and play well nice 
play nice together. So uh, we want to get those done hopefully before the end of the year. Uh-huh. We'll see it's, um, with an impending release probably early 2012. Yeah. I know we would want to do it before that, but yeah. realistically speaking, it'll probably be early 2012. So yeah. um, this song uh, we just recorded recently, it's called Whiskey on the Ledge. I couldn't give you the full background on it because it was written by Rory Miller, our, our lead singer. Um, but... Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite songs to play, okay. especially live. Um, and so. this is essentially all the electric work on this is you, right? Yes. With your awesome Morgan amplifier. A little, little plug for Joe Morgan. For Joe Morgan, God bless him. I love that amp. Morgan amps. He, he does great work. Anybody who needs a great tube amp. And they're, they're boutique-y, but they're not super over-the-top expensive, right. which, is, which is nice. He does great That's work. All, Nicest yeah. guy in the world. Yes. Bring him beer and he'll make you a great amp. That's what we learned. Yes. So this is uh, the band Northern Magnolia, of which you know Tony Piscotti is a member, uh, mm-hmm. and you do some arranging. You play, lead, you know, play electric guitar, lead guitar, all the all the textural stuff, which right. you're also very good at. So let's play this track from Northern Magnolia, and we'll come back talk just a little bit more about this on Independence Day. <laughs> I like the demo feel of that. There's like yeah. voices in the background. I, I love that stuff. Yeah, we kept it on there on purpose. I just thought it was fun to have. Yeah, it's 
raw. You got you to gotta know where to draw the line. You know, you don't want it to sound like Steely Dan, but you right. want it to sound because there's already Steely Dan. You know, there's there's already those guys. So, uh, but that's cool, man. I can't wait to hear what the rest of that ends up sounding like. Um, you know, so we're looking forward to hearing really great things from Northern Magnolia, based out of Chicago. And you can find out about them at Facebook.com. Perhaps you've heard of this website, Facebook. The Facebook. The Facebooks. I think I've heard uh, of it. Facebook.com/slash/NorthernMagnolia. And is that that's a, a tree reference, or that's there's a street in Chicago named Nor- named Magnolia as well? Like, what's the uh, what's the origin is, of the band? Um, we, uh, we, we came up with a long list of different names that we nobody could seem to agree on, and uh, I think... <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rory actually has uh, a large, a whole magnolia tattoo situation on her back. takes up almost <laughs> her whole back. Situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest thing you've said all day, man. Um, so, you know, we wanted to incorporate some kind of, mag- you know, she said, how about something that incorporates magnolia uh-huh. or, you know, imagery of, and I'm like, all right. And the magnolia being indigenous to the south, right? We thought it would be, you know, yeah. kind of interesting. To twang, have, uh, twang. Reference to the twang. Yes, exactly. But since we are from the north, we uh, came up with northern magnolia. Yeah. So, and you've got with while we're talking about northern magnolia, you've got some dates coming up. These are all like mm-hmm. Midwest dates. But November 4th in Champaign-Urbana, which is where the University of Illinois is, mm-hmm. uh, at the Folk and Roots Festival. So that should be a pretty cool gig oh, for yeah, a big great. crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple, you know, a couple pretty storied Chicago venues on on, on Nigel Tufnell Day, yes, which is 11, 11, 11. You right. know, we all know that all of Nigel's amps go up to 11, as everyone else's amps should go to 11 because it's one louder. Right. I will say that my uh, the, the clone amp I built of a Fender Tweed, 59 Fender Tweed Deluxe, uh-huh. it goes to 12. They all go to 12. See, now... That's that's all well and good, but eleven is still far superior. I think. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I wouldn't say that eleven is one quieter than twelve. No. But uh, so, anyways, but <laughs> on Nigel Tufnell Day, Northern Magnolia is playing at Goose Island, Wrigleyville. Goose Island, also a brew pub, brew mm-hmm. on premises, so you can get some great IPA there in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, great venue there. They used to do the Real Ale Festival there. That's well, that's the last time. Uh, I think well, I was we're there. playing at the one in Wrigleyville. Not uh, they don't actually brew there. Okay. That they brew at the. Uh, would that be Old Town, wherever the, the original location is? Yeah, the Heart of Darkness at like North and Clybourne, where right, all that, right. that nonsense. I don't ever, never go down there in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Never, never get back out of there, especially at Christmas time. <laughs> I think part of my soul is still there from the time I went down oh, there on Christmas man. Eve, like 10 years ago. Uh, and also, I digress. Another gig, which is in uh, December, uh, that's uh, the 13th of December at Martyrs, right. which is one of my favorite venues in I the city of Chicago. Ray yeah. Quinn does an amazing job with that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and check it out. Northern Magnolia, if you're in the Chicago area or in Champaign, go to U of I. Check out Northern Magnolia at one of those dates. They're great, and I can't wait to hear what the rest of that record ends up sounding like. Me too. But in the meantime, I want to play one more of your tunes, all which right. is a song uh, also from Soapbox Parade, one of my favorites. I guess they're all my favorites, but uh, this one is fun. <laughs> I did not play drums in this, but I will be playing some hack drums on this here in a couple seconds here. So tell me a little bit about what Magnet... This is the song we... Again, a non-sequitur before we kind of touched upon this. You, we were driving over to Michigan to track your vocals. Right. And we didn't have a last verse. Mm-hmm. And I remember riding in the car and I was like, well, you know, we were both fans of uh, Confederacy of Dunces, the book by John Kennedy Toole. And we, like, kind of grafted a little, little bit of imagery from that right. book onto the last line. So stay tuned for that, those of you who are fans of this book. And I think it worked great. Yeah. It, yeah. it fit perfectly. Yeah, it fits. Um, you know, so the, the song itself is just really about finding direction. Yeah. It, it's as simple as that, you know, and it was at a time when, uh, well, I was writing about, I had already come back from the West Coast, but, um, you know, this is just sort of recalling where my head was at the time that I yeah. decided to move out west. So. Finding a sense of place. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, all right. So this is Magnetic North. You can find this Tony Piscotti. Best place to learn about Tony Piscotti. He's got his music available on CD Baby. Also, you can learn about him at MySpace, which is still a good place to learn about musicians. So MySpace.com slash Tony Piscotti. P-I-S-C-O-T-T-I. Almost like Biscotti. Except with Piscotti. A P. With, a, right. with a P. Exactly. exactly. I will also plug, if I may, the uh, for some of uh, some newer instrumental, you know, experimental songs that I wrote, like one we heard earlier, uh, TonyPiscotti.bandcamp.com. Okay. Awesome. There's a few there. So let's let's play a little bit of this, and then we'll get you on out of here because I'm getting thirsty, and I think it's time for us to go I think hoist it's time one for a pint. Yes. All right. So Tony Piscotti on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. As always, tune in every Wednesday night. We've got the staff here. We've got the bands here. We've got all the great stuff here on Lancer Radio. And big things are happening. I heard there's a new website coming, a new streaming thing. So you out there, our legion of fans, will be able to hear us in a more uh, convenient fashion. I hope. You know, because this this current stream we've got, I know it works, but I know it's kind of clunky sometimes. So looking forward to those changes. In the meantime, Tony Piscotti here live in front of us is going to play a tune from Soapbox Parade. So lay it on us, man. All right, here we go. My fingers crossed, I'm gonna light the fuse and see what burns and jump into the deep end. I'll probably run into you. Another cigarette tonight won't do me any good. It feels like I'm about to smoke myself into oblivion. Cause I church I used to visit some odd years ago, and the incense almost brought me in, but something held me back. Cool Fortuna spins around with the ghosts that hang around this town, if I could only write this down, reaching for magnetic north, and I never show you Except the drive out west And the east was breathing down my neck And facing towards Magnetic north And I Never show you what I'm made of I've already tried To prove that the earth is flat
right, man. Tony Biscotti, I can, I can just hear the thousands of girls screaming for that. Oh, man, they're out there. Yes. They're out there. And we're going to go find them tonight, I think. <laughs> maybe you Let's will. Let's go. Maybe you will. I don't oh, know. Please. Oh, please. Uh, so, man, Tony, I, I, I can't tell you how, how honored I've been to have you here. Um, come to, to Los Angeles, be on the it's, show. It's been a pleasure. I really Share your that. music with us and with our legion of fans. I can't, you know, keep us abreast of what you're up to and just plain old keep us abreast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of fine girls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a symbol. I can't do the thing. Uh, but <laughs> in all seriousness, but uh, it, it's been fantastic. Um, looking forward to spending the next few days with you. We're going to play a lot of music over the next few days. I Maybe really even write so. some new music. I, I, absolutely. That's right. That would be fantastic. Um, and, you know, people can find out about you, myspace.com slash Tony Piscotti. What was the blog spot, um, blog spot address again? Uh, it's the Bandcamp, TonyPiscotti.Bandcamp. Oh, not blog spot. I'm sorry. Bandcamp. Yeah. TonyPiscotti.Bandcamp.com. Dot com. It's like Letterman used to go a long way with that, but it's funny. It's not funny anymore now that everybody knows really what it works or what, what the HTTP colon slash all thing means. Also, uh, your band, Northern Magnolia, Northern of which Magnolia. you are an integral member, playing the lead guitar. And great work on that stuff, by the way. Thank great you guitar very much. tone. I'm proud of it. Facebook.com slash Northern Magnolia. We'll look mm-hmm. forward to your debut release with that band sometime soon. And what I really want to bust your, your nuts about is, is making another Tony Piscotti record. Yes, I really, you know, and this is one of the things I really appreciate about being able to do this tonight. And I really appreciate it. Uh, I had a great time, and I haven't done the solo stuff in a while. I haven't played yeah. these songs in, as you know, a long time. <laughs> I haven't gone out and played my own shows in quite yeah. a while. So it's nice to revisit some of these songs. So is, the, is, that in the, is that in the cards out there somewhere, another Tony Piscotti record? Oh, well, I mean, that was why I went to the cabin to do some songwriting. I mean, uh-huh. I've been planning on doing another solo record for a long time and uh, giving it a different tone than what we did with Soapbox Braid. But, uh, I mean, I walked away from that experience with a good 20, 30 song ideas that I just haven't finished. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's Hollow. That's one. Which could be, you know, you're, you're like 10% done already, man. <laughs> so anyway, all right, Tony Piscotti, again, I can't thank you enough. You're a great friend. You're a great musician. Thank you for uh, having Looking me. forward to hearing, as always, even more great things from you. Uh, so this week on Independence Day, I have to say thanks to Tony Piscotti, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and as always, to the, uh, the unstoppable Valentina Rivera from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another.